Isla Podcasts, providing a unique window into the world of securities lending markets. Welcome to Isla's third quarter 2023 roundup on our work on legal, digital, regulatory and markets. I'm Adrian Dale, Head of Regulation and Markets. In this quarterly podcast, we will take a retrospective look at the events and projects Isla has been focused on for the past few months. As the podcast is a high level summary of our work. And if you're interested in hearing more detail, please visit our website at islaemia.org to see things like our working groups. You can see the minutes and see upcoming working groups. You can see published papers that we might refer to in this podcast and lastly to register for upcoming events. Whilst on events, this past quarter has been particularly busy with two ISLA briefings. What ISLA does is local outreach to members in a variety of locations around Europe. On the 20th of September, we went to Frankfurt, kindly hosted by Deutsche Bank. And on the 2nd of October, we were in Paris and that was kindly hosted by Societe Generale. In both events, we presented and discussed the shape and direction of the economy, the impacts on security finance, and we also provided updates on regulations, taxation, market practices, and of course, our digital work as well. There's a new set of briefings will be announced for the coming year, and as that planning progresses, we'll update you uh, through the normal channels. In terms of our larger events, we hope to see many of you at the Isla AGM and our 13th annual post-trade conference, which is going to be on the 1st of November in London. Registration is open and we'll touch on some of those topical agenda points in this podcast as well. This podcast has been running for several years now and we're reviewing the format and timing of it. If you have ideas on better formats, please do reach out to us at the usual email address of regtech at islaemir.org. So let's move on to the updates and we'll start the first one with what's happening in the legal world. And over to you, Tina. Many thanks, Adrian. I'm going to start by talking about a couple of recent developments in the legal doc space, and then I'll provide a summary of what is happening in the opinion space. First up is the work we are doing with AFMI, FIA, ICMA and ISDA to update the Master Regulatory Reporting Agreement, or MRRA for short. Those of you with good memories will recall the association's originally appointed linklators to develop the agreement, which provides members with standard templates for mandatory and delegated reporting under EMIR and SFTR. The changes being made are to address recent regulatory changes. The main change applicable to securities financing counterparts are changes to address the fact that UK EMIR and UK SFTR are now operational and that UK SFTR does not apply to NFSCs. The updated template has been circulated to the Legal Steering Working Group and the Market Practice Steering Group for feedback. The next step will be a joint call with Linklaters to address the feedback raised. We are just in the process of agreeing a date and that will be circulated to members shortly. The second project now underway is the work on the digital assets addendum to the Jamisla. This work is also being carried out with ICMA on behalf of the GMRA. We have appointed Clifford Chance to develop the annex with us. The assets being considered in this phase are tokenised traditional securities, where the token is an item of property, asset-backed digital assets and digital cash. To date, we've had one working group meeting and following that, we circulated a list of discussion points to the working group. They have been asked to review the discussions points that are broken into the following themes equivalent asset, timing, and the nature of the digital asset. Before moving on to the next stage of the project and producing the first draft of the documentation for the working group to review, we want to ensure we have received and considered as much feedback on the discussion points list as possible. If you have any questions on the MRRA or the digital assets work, please reach out to me. Alternatively, ISLA members can join the working groups mentioned via the ISLA website. 
Moving on to opinions coverage, I just wanted to note that the netting opinion process for 2024 is now underway, with feed caps being requested from councils. We are also updating the opinions that support the Jamisla Pledge documentation suite. These are the FCAR opinions produced by Clifford Chance and the bankruptcy remoteness opinions that are produced by Freshfields. If you have any questions related to ISA's opinion coverage, please get in contact. Thanks, Tina. So next, we're going to go to the digital world of Chris Rayner, who can walk us through the developments on the CDM. Chris, does the C in CDM stand for it or something else? <laughs> well, as I'm sure everybody on this uh, podcast will know, Adrian, it stands for Common for Common Domain Model. But thank you very much for the reminder. <laughs> OK, so what I'd like to do today is to give you a quick update on what's been happening over the summer with the CDM and then to give you an idea of what we've got planned for the rest of the year and moving into 2024. The biggest piece of news over the summer is that there was a community contribution of a Python code generator into the model. So this means that the model can now be accessed using Python rather than Java. The next major piece, I think, was really the legal agreements that were contributed by ourselves to the model. So you can now actually model a master agreement using a generic structure in the CDM. Our pre-trade processing changes for lender availability and borrower locates are currently under review as well and should be merged into the model shortly too. We've also seen contributions on exchange traded derivatives and many improvements to the language that the CDM is actually written in too. Looking at industry events, there was a hackathon in September and that was run by Barclays. Seven teams were entered. There were four use cases for the CDM that were proposed and they were approached in many different ways by the teams. And it was very interesting to hear the suggestions for how the CDM could be used. Another interesting point from the hackathon was that the winners, London Reporting House, used the Python version of the model, reinforcing the fact that it really was a big change to have Python as an option now. Getting involved in the CDM, you can obviously join the ISLA CDM Working Group or the Digital Steering Group to keep up to date with what we're doing. Those can be registered through the ISLA website. Binos runs several working groups as well. We have the Contribution Review Working Group, where you can see and comment on what is about to be added to the model. We've got the Steering Working Group group where you can have your say on what gets into the CDM roadmap and how the CDM is run and managed. Also got the technology and architecture working group where you can assist with the technological aspects of the model and we have various initiatives running under that platform. For the invite and the dates of these Finos working groups you can go to the Finos community calendar at www.finos.org. Moving on to the rest of the year, you can expect a new major version of the CDM to come out this month. This is going to contain additional changes to support the repo lifecycle events, for example. There's also enhancements to support regulatory reporting, essentially for the ISDA DRR initiative. We will also moving pressing for the pre-trade changes to be included in that version as well. So that version should be available very shortly, which is great news. The technology architecture working group I discussed a moment ago, that has several initiatives underway. The main one is serialization, where we're looking to come up with a proposal around an agreed format for the CDM data. We're looking to push that forward into 2024 to have a, a final proposal available and actually make the changes in the new year. So lots going on on the CDM front. Back to you, Adrian.
Thanks, Chris. Before we move on to the bit that I'm sure you're all waiting for, the regulatory updates, I just want to give an update on T plus one settlement efficiency and best practices. On T plus one, there are two task forces, one in the EU and one in the UK. The UK task force is finishing up a draft report on the impacts and challenges of the UK market moving to T plus one. Many of you will have, I hope, seen a letter from the UK task force chair. It was published in July this year, outlining the planned approach of the task force and if you're in an ISLA working group you will have received a copy of that draft paper draft letter as well. The current proposal is to start a technical task force after the publication of this next paper but we'll wait to see what happens with that final report before saying more. EU task force is made up of 18 plus trade associations and member firms as well. We published a paper just before the summer on the impact of the US moving to T plus one or that impact rather on the EU markets. There's a second report being drafted at the moment, and it was intended to be a front runner to the upcoming ESMA call for evidence. And as some of you know, that the ESMA published their call for evidence on the 5th of October, which is asking questions about shortening the settlement cycle to either T plus one or T zero. The consultation response is due on the 15th of December, and we're working with the EU task force and the ISLA member working group on a response over the coming months. That means that the EU task force paper will be more of a, a reference point rather than front-running the ESMA call for evidence, obviously. Closely related to T plus one is settlement efficiency, of course, and that also has work being done in various different work streams. In the EU, ESMA held a settlement efficiency workshop on the 26th of September. The meeting was attended by, of course, ESMA, but also the Commission, all the national competent authorities throughout Europe, uh, the central bank, CSDs, trade associations, and various subject matter experts. In the UK, the Bank of England Security Lending Committee has set up a focus group to look at settlement efficiency as well. The chair of that group and the chair of the UK Accelerated Settlement Task Force will be presenting at the Isla Post Trade Conference, which I mentioned earlier on, on, that's going to be on the 1st of November. So that should be a very interesting conversation between the two of them. As all this is related to security lending, our average settlement rates have been improving marginally over the period since the CSDR penalties went live, but there's still quite a journey ahead of us to solve the multiple challenges that still slow or break the settlement processes. And that, of course, will be a very much a topic for the post-trade conference. And then the last thing I wanted to mention is that, of course, the central pillar of settlement efficiency from our perspective are standards. In past podcasts, I've updated you on the work of the ISLA Best Practice Group, and it's been given a huge boost in the past three, four weeks with the addition in our team of Tony Holland. You'll see him splashed across the various news outlets that cover our market. His mission is to restructure, rebuild, review the ISLA Best Practices over the coming months. We'll have further work groups that will address that. In those working groups, we're going to be looking at restructuring the entire best practice handbook that we have and aligning it to other trade associations, not least ISDA and ICMA, who are joint partners in this common domain model that we're working on. As we go through and have updates on that, especially at various milestones, we'll be updating members through the usual routes. So now the bit you've been waiting for, the regulatory updates. So I'll hand over to Farah Mood. Thanks, Adrian. I'll try to keep it brief. I thought I might just highlight my sort of top three regulatory priorities for the remainder of the year and going into 2024. A lot of the regulations that we've been working on over the last couple of years have really come about off the back of the EU's Capital Markets Union Action Plan, which was issued all the way back in 2020 now. But in 2024, we're expecting a new mandate from the European Parliament elections, which will also lead 
lead to a new commission mandate, a new a regulatory agenda for the end of the year and going into 2025. It's really crucial for us now at ISLA to start to think about our positioning and what policy proposals we would like to push for with that new mandate that's really going to, to benefit the securities financing industry. As part of that thinking, we've been working with a firm in Brussels on a PR strategy for ISLA in which we undertook a survey of industry professionals, policymakers to try and determine what their knowledge of the product is and uh, what comes to mind when they think about securities lending. Not all of that feedback that we got was positive, but we're going to be certainly targeting our advocacy and lobbying efforts around that feedback that we got as part of our PR strategy. The top two things that policymakers associate with securities lending, which are also in line with our regulatory advocacy priorities, is number one, tax. You'll all be familiar with well-publicised cases that you might have seen in the press and also some negative language that we've seen come through as part of the European Commission's faster withholding tax proposal recently. Over the last year, we've had a barrage of uh, withholding tax issues in Austria, Denmark, France and more recently Norway and the Netherlands, all really stemming from issues around the interpretation of beneficial ownership. So who is the true owner of shares in the context of a securities lending agreement for tax purposes? And there's been a huge amount of legal uncertainty of tax rules in general across multiple jurisdictions that are looking to try and tackle the effects of tax fraud through new legislation or new guidance. And they're also often being applied retrospectively, just to throw a spanner in the works for everybody. Because these rules are often super unclear, we're seeing more and more underlying lenders restricting lending of their equities in these jurisdictions to avoid being penalised, which is subsequently causing huge liquidity issues in the market for brokers that are trying to do their everyday business, you know, trying to hedge their derivatives positions or, or cover cover their shorts. Tax is always very, very tricky to, to harmonise because it's, of course, sovereign to each member state. So we've got a bit of a job on our hands here to really try and change that narrative over the next year and remind policymakers on why you need to have securities lending to facilitate deep and liquid capital markets. So key focus, if not the top focus for ISLA between now and the end of the year and going into 2024. The second biggest priority and also thing that policymakers most associate with securities lending at the moment, you may be surprised to hear, is around retail. Earlier this year, the European Commission released its retail investment strategy that's going to actually reopen a number of files, including the USITS directive, the AIFMD, MIFID, as well as a few others as well, just to focus on the investor protection elements to try and encourage greater retail market participation. But what that means for us is that the level one texts of those pieces of legislation are now going to be reopened. So we'll certainly be keeping a key eye out as those go through the legislative negotiation process, which began back in September now. The reason why policymakers have been associating securities lending with retail in perhaps a negative way is because some of the bad behaviour of neo-brokers and retail aggregators that are that are recently stepping into our market. Over 
the summer, ESMA actually issued a public statement highlighting the risks of securities lending in relation to investor protection requirements. Although they outline the benefits of engaging in securities lending and, and the European regulator has always been super supportive of the activity. However, they do highlight some key MIFID requirements that they believe some firms aren't strictly adhering to. Firstly, is around revenues from securities lending. They state under the MIFID requirements that those should directly accrue to the underlying client minus any reasonable costs or fees. They note that it would appear that some of the retail aggregators are not sharing revenues with the underlying retail participant and are in fact suggesting that that revenue is being used purely to offset their fees. Secondly, ESMA advises in their statement that express consent has to be given by a retail investor to engage in a securities lending programme. And as it turns out in their findings, some firms have been including this sign up as part of their general terms and conditions of just having an account. So often the retail investors were actually unaware that their securities were out on loan. So again, um, is there's going to be keeping a close eye on this file as it goes through because it really puts our product into the limelight of discussions with policymakers. And even though it's not targeted specifically at institutional investors, policymakers, when they go through the negotiations, aren't going to be separating the two. If you'd like to find out more about that particular topic, then I would encourage you to join the Isla Regulatory Steering Group, where I often send out written notes. We will also be having a group coming up in the next couple of weeks. Lastly, and my third biggest priority is going to be around the Basel rules that have been ticking along in the background for some time now. The dialogue is starting to gain a bit more traction across the market as we're edging closer to that go live date. In Europe, negotiations on the capital requirements regulation and directive are really quite advanced now. So it's unlikely that we're going to see any substantial changes to that text between now and the end of the year. It is yet to be fully agreed. We're still waiting in the UK for the Bank of England's final policy statement, which is expected in Q4. And the Fed's proposal in the US is still open for consultation until the end of November, I believe. If anybody is unfamiliar with the Basel rules, we have a Basel 101 explanatory note that you can download from our website. We're also in the process of at the moment of drafting a paper specifically on the impacts of the rules to the buy side community. But it also looks at the differences in in application of those rules between Europe, the US and the UK as well. And that's going to be coming out in the next couple of weeks. Those are my top three priorities. But just before I hand back to you, Adrian, I just wanted to give a very quick shout out to my developing markets working group that's going to be kicking off again on the 21st of November, where we're going to be showcasing our findings with council on our Middle East project, focusing on phase one, the Kingdom of Saudi Arabia, Dubai and Abu Dhabi. More to come on that in the next couple of weeks as well. That's it from me, Adrian. Back to you. Thanks, Farah. That brings us nearly to the end of this podcast. Hoping you're recognised from the the update we've just given. There's quite a lot of work going on at the moment. Please do contact us with comments and questions at the regtech at islaemir.org email address. That address and others can all be found on the website. You can also see registration for our working group so you can be involved in the work and the conversation, the debate on all the topics we've just discussed. And also the registration for the Isla Post Trade Conference. Hoping that we'll see you there to meet Isla and your peers. Just to say thank you very much to my colleagues for their updates and thank you very much for listening to this podcast. Isla Podcasts, providing a unique window into the world of securities lending markets.